Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by Germ Death Hand Sanitizer. The only hand sanitizer with 66.6% ethyl alcohol kills 99.9% of germs and smells real good doing it too. So you can check them out at germdeath.com. Visit them at Facebook and Instagram at germdeath. Rewind of the Living Dead is also brought to you by reanimatedrecords.com, your place for movies. That's Blu-rays, DVDs, VHS tapes, they got that. There's music, vinyl, CDs, cassette tapes, you name it, they got it. Vintage, new, used, all that kind of cool stuff. Cool t-shirts from bands, from horror films, posters, uh, action figures, you name it, they got it at reanimatedrecords.com. Fair warning, Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. When David Gordon Green and Danny McBride kicked off production on 2018's Halloween, the duo had already thought about shooting a pair of films back to back, but they ultimately decided to wait until the first film came out to discover how the audience felt about the movie before shifting gears into a sequel. Once Halloween opened to rave reviews and became a box office smash, producer Jason Blum gave the green light on not only a second film, but a third film in the series to complete a new Halloween trilogy. Green and McBride once again teamed up on the script, with all of the cast from the 2018 film signing on to return for the sequel. Green also agreed to direct, and the initial plans were to film the movies together and then release them in October 2020 and October 2021 to complete the trilogy. Sadly, the global pandemic shut down those plans, so only the sequel was filmed after production started in late 2019, with the film then set for release in October 2021. The sequel dealt with themes of long-term trauma and a town that had finally been pushed too far by a deadly legacy that haunted them since 1978. My grandmother was right. The boogeyman was real. It's over. You can't hurt anyone ever again. No one told you. Told me what? Somebody in there? Michael Myers is alive. Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I'm coming for you, Michael. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to jab ourselves with a needle and grab our pitchforks and torches as we review the new 2021 sequel, Halloween Kills. I am Damon Martin. And I'm Patrick Guerra. And Patrick, this week we get to talk about a brand new film and probably the biggest film of the horror movie season, 
Halloween Kills. Ooh, so hot off the presses. I mean, burning hot. And that's where the movie starts off, right? It just jumps right from the 2018 Halloween, um, I said retcon sequel, if you will, uh, right from the end of that movie, right into the next one, just moments after that first film. And this is one of those movies, Damon, that kind of hits the ground running and offers up a lot of surprises. We got the same... Uh, the same creative team. It's still David Gordon Green. It's still Danny McBride. Um, it's uh, pretty much the entire cast from the last one and a few crazy new additions. Uh, Damon, you're the hardcore Halloween guy on this podcast. What'd you think? You know, okay. So let me get it. Like, I enjoyed it. I liked it. This is what I told somebody yesterday. I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought it was good. It was not great. Uh, we'll get into the issues I had a little bit later with the spoilers, so I don't completely spoil things for everybody. But in terms of the horror elements, in terms of the kills, in terms of the gore, in terms of that kind of stuff, they really upped the intensity in this film. I mean, they really like, you know, if Halloween 2018 was... You know, and I know we both reviewed that on our last podcast. We both really enjoyed it. We talked about how they kind of upped the intensity with that film and why it was such a good, scary movie. All the elements you look for, the gore, the the fright, all that kind of stuff in there. Uh, this one is basically that on steroids. Uh, this yeah. is this is that amped up even more, which I enjoyed. I really did enjoy that. Where they lost me a little bit was in some of the plot line and some of the storyline elements of this movie. Uh, again, not bad, but not great. Not not terrible, but again, not great. It, it just there are certain things they did in terms of cho- in, in terms of the story, and I think the problem, I think the biggest problem. Uh, and again, this isn't spoilers. This is basically what I'm going to be talking about in this opening section. You can you can get from the trailer, okay? Um, I think with 2018's Halloween, when they wrote it and, and and had all these plans, and I know they talked about maybe doing films back to back, as I mentioned in the intro, but they didn't know. They didn't know what the they didn't know what was going to happen. So the way 2018's film ended. It was such a it's such an interesting climax with them basically setting a trap for Michael, trapping him in the basement, turning on the flames and planning to burn him alive that I feel like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner a little bit in terms of how to do the sequel uh, because that's such a definitive ending. And also, I think the other problem that they did, and I don't necessarily have a problem with it, it's just that I think one of the biggest keys to a great slasher franchise, and this goes from Nightmare on Elm Street to Friday the 13th to Nightmare on Elm Street, excuse me, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, you know, all these great horror slasher franchises that have more than one film is the mythology. I think the mm-hmm. mythology is a huge part of that. When you eliminate the mythology or when you change the mythology, you once again, you kind of write yourselves in the corner. And I think th- th- it's a very polarizing topic, Patrick, and I think maybe we should just open with this. The whole idea of whether or not Michael and and Lori were brother sister. Now that was not actually introduced until Halloween two, which they've basically retconned out of existence with this new trilogy. And they basically say Michael is just a nameless, faceless killing machine. He wasn't necessarily you know going after Lori. He was just going after everybody. And that connection between them was eliminated. Now, I personally. 
uh, kind of like what Rob Zombie did with his remake, I like that element. I actually like that element because it attached to one of the reasons I loved, and I know it's, a, it's a, again, a kind of a polarizing subject, I loved Halloween H2O, the 20th anniversary film, mm-hmm. because it dealt with the trauma, which is very much what the central theme of these two new films is about, but it also dealt with why is Michael coming back after Laurie? It's because she's his sister. And I know that that was, again, very controversial to the Halloween audience. Some people liked it. No, Quentin Tarantino hated it. He hated that they made her his sister, all that kind of stuff. But I think that mythology links them together and it gives you an inroad to sequels. I think by eliminating that and then locking him in that basement and setting the house on fire, you've kind of written yourself into a corner where it kind of becomes tougher to create a worthy sequel, in my opinion. Yeah, you know... I'm I'm kind of of the same mind as you. My brother said he gave it a a seven out of 10 and I had to agree with him, which is by the way, a pretty good ranking, you know, seven to 10 is still a pretty good ranking for this movie uh, where I would have ranked the 2018 one as a 10 of 10. I genuinely thought that was the best Halloween film I've ever seen, including the original, because I'm not a big fan of the original film. Um, And this is not spoiling anything either Um, in the trailer for the final trailer for Halloween kills. Um, you get to see a lot of people from the original film. And I think what it seems to me that Halloween Kills was set up to sort of close the loop for those characters, not necessarily Laurie Strode. It's like, here's all the other characters that were affected that that night, that fateful night back in 1978. Let's explore those characters in this one. Close their story down and open it up for the final showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers in the final film. Um, and to me, that... I, look, at the end of the day, they made a really good film still. They still made something that was really quality. But it got a little chaotic, both intentionally and, I think, unintentionally. And, um, and you know, of course, we'll get into the, the hard details in the spoiler section. Um but Damon, they, you know, this is kind of a spoilery thing, too. I don't even know if we should talk about the uh, the other thing they do, which they do like almost immediately at the beginning of the film. Let's just say that this is a completely spoiler episode, folks. There's not going to be a spoiler section. I think this is an entirely spoiler spoiler filled episode. So if you haven't seen Halloween Kills yet, you might want to pause. By the way, it's available on Peacock. So you can pause, go to your Peacock, watch it right now and then come back and listen to us. Yeah, Damon, I'm, I'm down they with do, that. They, they, they do something pretty fantastic in the beginning of this movie. They go back to the night at 1978 after Loomis shot Michael Myers and then he looks out the window and Michael Myers disappears. They now give you like a clip, like, like a, I don't know, the next 10 minutes after that moment. And and I I'm, again, you're the hardcore Halloween guy. I want you to lead the charge on this. That it's wild. My jaw was on the floor with this recreation or this or this. I mean, really, it is kind of a retcon because we ne- there's never those next ten minutes. Talk about like how they completely reinvented that. Yeah. So okay, weirdly, and as I just kind of complain now that we're in spoilers, I could just go ahead and get into it because that I was trying to kind of talk myself around what I wanted to say. Um, you know, when you eliminate that mythology of the whole brother sister connection, I think by them going back to basically redoing the 1978 ending, not necessarily redoing it, just adding on to it. So Michael gets shot, he falls out of the window, and then at some point the police obviously capture him because he's in a mental institution when we pick up in Halloween 2018. 
Uh, and so basically that's what the opening scene is all about. It's, it's how they uh, arrested and captured Michael Myers after his initial, you know, killing spree in Haddonfield after he killed Annie Brackett and all the other people and tried to kill Laurie Strode. And, um, and, and so that was all there. And I think that, what they did with this, and, and just again, we're talking spoilers. There is a Donald Pleasance return. And of course, yeah. sadly, Donald Pleasance is gone, not with us any longer. But we've seen this time and time again with, you know, Star Wars and they've done it with other movies where they bring back, you know, past, you know, past characters who are no longer with us and actually kind of reinserted them with technology. And it's a very brief moment. It's not like they tried to, like, you know, add in a brand new Loomis moment, but it's a kind of a but cool it, moment. It totally looks like it. Yeah, it looked dead on him. And it I sounded mean, like. Like, holy shit they got him <laughs> they they resurrected him with like jurassic park technology yeah so so that was really cool and so in that regard in that opening scene i loved it i i was geeking out so hard for them to do that and i'll say my issues with this movie don't happen until about 30 to 45 minutes into it the first 30 to 45 minutes when we're talking about the opening the introduction going back to 1978 basically introducing officer hawkins who we of course met in the last halloween movie played by will Patton. uh we, we see him as a kind of a rookie cop in haddonfield and and they set up that they set that up in the first one they said that he was one of the the first policemen on the scene on the night of the 1978 murder so they basically carried that thread forward into the new movie and so you meet officer hawkins as kind of this young rookie and him and his partner uh played by by the way i want to give a huge shout out to the great jim cummings the director and star of the wolf of snow hollow one of our favorite films and also the upcoming movie the beta test which i am so geeked out to go see uh jim cummings starred as one of the cops from 1978 and i i like i was in the movie and i nearly <laughs> shouted the screen i was like oh it's jim cummings uh, but he plays one of the cops and so they kind of introduce a little bit more mythology with that where they talk about they go back to like the 1963 moment when he killed his sister they go back to the Myers house uh, and then they you know, eventually capture Michael again and so that whole sequence I adored it I thought it was fantastic loved it the, again the first 30 to 45 minutes in my opinion are, are nearly flawless well, I think I think what that uh, what that extension of the 1978 movie does is it sets up this movie to actually be in a weird way Officer Hawkins movie, because okay, so if you remember at the end of Halloween 2018, um, Officer Hawkins was uh, was uh, attempted, uh, um, Doctor Sartain had almost killed him, um, and, and and as far as we were, we knew at the end of 2018 he was left for dead. Turns out he survived the attack from Doctor Sartain. And then he's, he is filled with this massive regret because back in 1978, he had the chance to kill Michael Myers and he kind of blew it. By the way, I should mention Thomas Mann, uh, who's in a ton of stuff and he's really great, plays a young Officer Hawkins. And I thought he was like expertly cast. So I was like, yeah, that does look like Will Patton when he's young. That makes total sense. And then you get, like you said, Jim Cummings. Uh, who who continues his uh, his policeman universe as a, as Officer McCabe in this, uh, and so and he even has that moment where like he's like instructing all the other cops and they're like, so you mean go get the bad guy? And he's like, God damn it! Like he gets pissed. It's still a Jim Cummings cop performance, which is fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, um, that this that little that little piece at the beginning of the uh, movie kind of sets this up to be. Officer Hawkins movie, kind of, even though Officer Hawkins spends most of his time uh, next to Laurie Strode in the hospital, this movie, it was that fateful moment that that has sort of created this entire situation. And I, I like that because at least it gave 
this story uh, an anchor, like like it, it all it gave it something to to move around, and then you introduce, excuse me, all of the um, all of the previous characters, uh, all these characters that were part of the 1978 film. Um, you get uh, Nurse Marion, right? Um, you get the Lindsay, um, Lee Brackett's back in this movie. Uh, Tommy Doyle now played by Anthony Michael Hall, who did a great job in this film, by the way. Like, it shows it shows all these people who were also affected by that night. Um, there's a... All right, I, I, this movie's kind of all over the place, so if you find me struggling to talk about it, there's a lot happening in this movie. Yeah. Um, where, where do you think... You know, here's something I want to get to. In the last time... We talked about Halloween 2018. They did something really big in that movie. They decided that Dr. Sartain was the orchestrator of Michael Myers' current killing spree. And I was curious if they were going to wrap it up in this movie, and they indeed do. In my opinion, Damon, they confirm that Dr. Sartain indeed just pointed Michael at them. They they say it outright in this movie. Um, then they decide to add something else, which we'll talk about later. There's like sort of the mythology you were talking about. But how did you feel about that? They decided to tell you, yes, indeed, Dr. Sartain was the orchestrator of the 2018 murder spree. Yeah, so that was one. That, if we had one big criticism from the first film, that was it. You know, the, the kind of ambiguous nature of that whole thing. Did Michael really want to go after Lori, or was it just that his doctor pointed him at her? And I, I think that was, I think if you go back and listen to our last episode, that was my biggest issue with the movie, because I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't like that they left it so up in the air. And then they actually kind of confused it in this one as well, a little yeah. bit, because, you know, Lori's daughter, Karen, is telling the cops that, you know, she, he did indeed come after my mother, just like she said he always would. And then, of course, you know, her daughter, uh, Allison, says, no, it was Dr. Sartain who sent Michael, you know, he brought Michael to to our grandmother's to to my grandmother's house, and that's why you know he came after us. Um, so again, th- I'm of two minds with this movie. Um, when it comes to the trauma suffered by the other people on that same night in 1978, from Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace, who were little kids, they were being babysat by you know Annie Brackett and and uh, and Laurie Strode. You got to remember, they're kids. I mean, they're eight, nine years old, whatever they are in that movie. Uh, they're going to deal with trauma as well. Absolutely. So I loved that they carried that forward and brought them back into this movie because you got to realize as as traumatized as Lori was, and, and she, of course, surely was, there were other people involved that night that probably would have been dealing with the same, you know, a similar amount of trauma. I mean, an eight or nine year old kid. I mean, that kind of stuff can screw you up for life. Uh, so the fact that they brought back Tommy Doyle, the fact they brought back Lindsay Wallace, the fact that they brought back nurse Marion, uh, the fact they brought back Lonnie, who was a character from the first one. They mentioned him in the second one. They actually brought him back as a character in this one. It was a different actor, same as Anthony Michael Hall, a different actor, but the same character. All of that I enjoyed. I actually really enjoyed that they brought back and showed that there were more people affected by this because in a way, and as I mentioned in the intro, the entire town of Haddonfield has kind of been affected in some way, shape, or form by the legacy of this, you know, this this death, this killing spree in 1978. And it's real. Listen, if you live in a town or you or your town is most famous for producing a serial killer or whatever, I this I mean, people go on freaking tours nowadays where they go and tour where serial killers lived and yeah. like so 
it's a legacy that a town has. They definitely struggle with you know outliving a, a, a terrible legacy like that. So in that aspect, I loved it. I loved that they brought back Tommy Doyle. I loved that they brought back Lindsay Wallace. I loved they brought back all these characters. On the other hand, however, we still had this kind of messy storyline from the first one we had to figure out for the second one which was michael just he was just a killing machine he wasn't going after Lori. he was just going after anyone and that again i bump heads with that because once again mm-hmm. they make it they make it Lori as the central character you know once again and and rightfully so but we're still not dealing with any mythology that he's actually coming for her because he's not. And that bugs me because uh, it really, I mean, I understand by the end of the movie, the way you understand it, they kind of flip it because now Lori is going to go after Michael. We'll get to the ending a little bit later, but Lori is now going to go after Michael. They've almost switched roles because Michael was yeah. supposedly coming for Lori. Now in the third film, I, I assume we're definitely going to see Lori going after Michael and they kind of, you know, they kind of switched roles in that way. And I guess that's what they were going for. But again, that's still my biggest issue with this movie. Just like the last one is that you just made Michael this ambiguous killing machine, this, this great white shark, so to speak. Uh, and, and it, it just, it doesn't ruin it by any stretch of the imagination. It just kind of, it just kind of leaves things dangling out in the air and you're kind of wondering what, I mean, I, I understand the idea is you don't need to know what motivates Michael Myers. He's just a killer. I get all that. Okay. But I'm a fan of mythology and I like when you have that mythology kind of mixed in there where you kind of understand the connection where I said, I actually liked the fact that they were brother and sister. Then you understood that connection. You understood why 40 years later, Michael would be coming for Lori. They eliminate all that. And now it's just Lori is kind of obsessed with Michael Myers and he's not really obsessed with her. No, he's not obsessed with her. In fact, what they decide later on in the movie is they decide to put their foot in the ground. Uh, Gordon Green and and McBride uh, decided you know what? All he really cares about is going home. That's actually what he cares about. Because once he escapes uh, the the burning wreckage of Laurie Strode's uh, compound, uh, you know he goes on his killing spree, and he's he's just weaving his way back to his old house. And then in the end, they decide that's what it is. All he really cares about is standing at that window. That's what matters to him. And everything in front of him must die until he gets to that window. It's a strange way to decide how his mythology works. There's another piece that they use, too, as well. And I know we're going to jump around, folks. Forgive us. But it, it, like this movie jumps around. It's kind of it's kind of in a lot of places. They decide also that, you know, like we, we talked about in the 2018 version, you sort of get the, the sense that maybe uh, Michael Myers can't feel pain. Like that, that he he keeps getting hurt, but he's kind of just keeps moving forward. Like maybe there's something it all felt very grounded, like the description that maybe he just can't literally can't feel pain. There's some receptors that are missing in his in his brain or something like that. Well, in this movie, the townsfolk decide, OK, enough is enough. He went on this crazy killing spree like in, in the 2018 version. And and uh, and you have Tommy Doyle and Lindsay and uh, and Lonnie. And they're like, you know what? We're just we're going to end this the whole town. Let's let's rally the troops. Let's let's hunt him down and let's stop him for good. So they do. And 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 I mean, they they lay into him in in such a way that you're going, well, there's no there's no way that he can survive. Nobody manages to shoot him in the head or stab him in the head, which seems like that would work. But they do enough to him where I'm like, well, he's definitely dead at this point. They've shot him a bunch of holes in him. They poked a bunch of holes in him and he still keeps going. Lori Strode from her hospital bed 
decides to have a monologue that explains that Michael is fueled by hatred, by anger and fear. And that makes him some sort of anger, hatred, fear zombie, Damon? <laughs> I guess. I think that's what they're implying. They're implying that he cannot be killed by by blunt force. I mean, she actually says that. She goes, blunt force won't work. At like, and so I was like, so is the answer love? Like, what are you Does he need a hug right now? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Does Michael just need like, a hug? Like, what are you doing? I'm not quite sure what that particular thing. The idea that he cannot be stopped with hatred or, or and with fear. He cannot be stopped while fear, the fear of him uh, fuels him. So I'm like, okay, so now, because as far as I was concerned, Halloween 1978 and Halloween uh, 2018 were incredibly grounded. And that's why as a, as a duo, they work really, really well because it's like it all exists in the real world. And at the end of this film, they're like, actually, psych, he is like Jason. He is a damn zombie. And you're like, um, hmm. I don't know. How'd you feel about that? Yeah, that again, that's where I kind of bump heads with the plot, you know, where I where I'm kind of like confused and, and not quite understanding what they're going for, because the idea that Michael is just an unstoppable killing machine who loves killing. OK, I can I can dig that. I can live with that. You know what I mean? But when you start by the end of the movie, they're basically saying he is unkillable uh, again. You're it's just it's confusing. It's confusing. What are we going for here? You know what I mean? Is he this is he this supernatural killing machine or is he is he a man of flesh and blood? Like and, and again, I don't have a problem just like you know where you know become you know where Jason became, you know, kind of this unstoppable killing machine in Friday the 13th and we kind of joked in one of our one of our previous episodes where I said, you know, it's basically Jason's a zombie, right? Like he doesn't stop and like, you know, chow down on some yeah. McDonald's to like keep fueling up to go kill more people. Like he doesn't eat. It's like he's hanging out on the weekends and like grabbing a burger. He's just yeah. not killing. And so that's kind of where we're going Michael Myers where we're kind of like he's just a killing machine now and he doesn't really he de- he's not a human at all. And again, it's kind of ambiguous and it's kind of left out there in the open and it kind of it's a bit confusing it's confusing except for the part where they put a pitchfork through his chest yeah and i'm going well that's a dead guy there's no coming back through from that i mean never mind that he was shot multiple times in the gut never mind that he was stabbed multiple times in the heart and and all these other vital organs you know like they gave enough kill shots to michael myers to kill him but he won't die in fact he gets right up I think the final blow was like a was like a shovel or a knife right into the spine, right into his, yeah, right, the base right, of his neck. Right into the base of his neck, yeah. And so, and then he turns around and gets up, and you're like, okay. I mean, if I was in a Friday the Thirteenth movie, I was like, yep, sold, because we we've decided that Jason is an unkillable zombie, uh, tortured soul or whatever. So now we're doing that with Michael Myers, and and when we retconned this movie. Everything was grounded. So now, like now, at the tail end of this part two of a trilogy, or of a actually a quadrilogy, because we're counting the original, uh, now he is a zombie. And I'm like, um, hmm, like, I don't know. And then so does that mean that Halloween ends, which is going to be the next one, is that a completely supernatural movie? Like, it's there's a lot of tonal shift that happens in Halloween Kills. And it and it starts with that. I mean, what it doesn't start? It kind of ends with that. That's kind of the exclamation point of this movie. Is now we're now we're treading on new ground. And I thought, and and you can listen back to my Halloween 2018 take. I thought that Gordon Green and McBride 
really respected the mythology of the original film in 2018, and they almost seem to toss all of that out. Not not necessarily to any detriment. It's just confusing because the first two films are so grounded. Yeah, it's it is confusing, and it's also just uh, it's a little. You're not really sure what direction they're going in. In that now, that being said, we've been kind of talking about like the confusion and like the unkillable nature of Michael Myers, and it makes us sound like we don't we don't like this movie. There's a lot of like about this movie. There's I really, plenty to like about this. Yeah, movie. I mean the the kills are brutal. They, they I mean they up the intensity of the kills and the kill scenes. Uh, I mean again, I called it, it was like the kill scenes on steroids. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, uh, I love that. I again, I love that they brought back the characters from the past. Tommy Doyle, you know, uh, Lindsay Wallace. They brought all of them back, Sheriff Brackett. They brought all of them back and showed that there was more trauma dished out in 1978 than just on Laurie Strode, which is 100% true. I love that they brought all of them back. I love that they kind of, as you mentioned, kind of gave them a story and, and, and basically involved them in the story because in reality they would be. I mean, unless they've moved away or, you know, whatever, if they're still in Haddonfield, they would still, you know, deal with the mental uh, anguish that, that, was, that was put upon them on that night in 1978. So... In that regard, I love that as well. Uh, a lot of people, one of the biggest complaints I've seen about this movie is that Laurie Strode, for the most part, is taken out of the film. I mean, she's really in the hospital, yeah. you know, getting get, getting stitches and, and basically getting her life saved for the majority of the movie. She really isn't in the movie in terms of, like, the action sequences, in terms of anything going on with Michael. They've kind of taken her out of it. But I didn't really have a... I, weirdly, I didn't have a problem with that because you introduced Lindsay Wallace, because you introduced Tommy Doyle, because yeah. Allison, her granddaughter, is now involved. Her daughter, Karen, is involved. And so now it's kind of become this family legacy. And so Lori kind of going in the back burner and being in the hospital and talking to you know talking to Hawkins in the hospital, all that I enjoyed. All that I had no problem with. Right. But again... The idea that Michael is just this unstoppable killing machine who's just making and weaving his way back to the Myers house. Okay, but again, I'm left with why. I'm left with a why, and that's where when you start messing with the mythology, that, again, I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner. Just like when you had such a really awesome, cool ending to 2018, when you lock him in the basement, you've trapped Michael, you're going to burn him alive. The fact that they wrote themselves into that corner and then you had to find a way for him to survive, which is the fireman showing up and putting out the fire. Okay, again, I can live with that. I can live with the way Michael Myers escapes that. But again, we're, we've we've now eliminated that Michael is her brother, which, mm-hmm. again, you've eliminated why he's coming after her. And now, by making it that he's only interested in getting back to his house because that's where he wants to be, That's I, for whatever reason, that's what's driving him, Again, you've eliminated that connection between Laurie and Michael. Now, that being said, let me go ahead and talk about the ending, and we're already in spoiler territory. Uh, mm-hmm. After we after we discover that Michael cannot be killed, after the townspeople all rise up against him and they set this trap, which, by the way, really enjoyed that as well. Mm-hmm. Karen coming in, you know, pulling his mask off, basically luring him into this alley where everyone's there waiting for him to jump him and basically kill Michael. Kind of like the first film, you know, where she says, gotcha. I enjoyed yeah. that. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was really, really cool. I'm like, oh, damn, she got him. I thought that was yeah. cool. She's a great trapper. Yeah, she's <laughs> truth, a- truth be told, Judy Greer, uh, Judy Greer's character, Karen, really knows how to trap Michael Myers. Yeah. She's really dang good at it. And uh, Damon, what? how did you feel about – so? Here, well, I'm, I'll tell you how I felt about it, and I'm curious how you felt about it. So you, you talk about uh, Lonnie's back, Tommy's back, uh, 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 Lindsay's back, Marion's back. 
it, it, it's sort of, and I, and I said, there's a tonal shift in this movie. This, this movie sort of shifts more towards a traditional slasher, w- w- uh, you know, with the townsfolk being a little wackier and campier. It's not bad. It's just tonally very different from the 2018 uh, version, w- which was very, very grounded. This movie sort of feels more like a regular slasher, but what, what that equals out to with, with uh, the characters of uh, Tommy and Lonnie and Lindsay and Marion, um, and they, as they rally the troops to, to as Karen so uh, dutifully traps Michael into this mob, the mob aspect of this movie. Now, there is like some sort of, uh, I would say, societal parallels that they're trying to play with there. I don't know how cleanly they did that the idea of the mob mentality, but where it got me was this movie has a lot of monologues, like a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in this movie talk for long periods of time in a very unnatural way. Like, like again, I, I'm so thrown because the original Halloween and Halloween 2018 were so grounded. This movie changes that a lot. And there's a lot of monologues and it reminds me of a story Sylvester Stallone told about Rambo. He wrote Rambo and he, and, and he was starting Rambo. He said that, you know, in the beginning we had these situations where like I would I would kill a bird with my bow and arrow and then I'd go, that's right, you feathered mother effer. <laughs> you know, like he'd say something and then they realized in the edit, you know what, why don't we take out him saying anything and just have a look? This movie keeps keeps the things that people probably didn't need to say. There's a lot of talking in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it feels very like, take that, you... William Shatner masked mother effer. Like it feels like that a lot. And I, I got bummed out by that. I was like, man, this, the 2018 movie had none of that. And th- then here we are with that. How did you feel about all that? Yeah. It fe- okay. So to go back to the beginning, like when they have, so when they first introduced Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace and, and nurse Marion and Lonnie, that they all kind of get together on Halloween and, and kind of, you know, help each other get through the trauma of what they dealt with 40 years earlier. And they've been doing right, this like forever. That. And they're at like a, they're at a, like a talent show, a Halloween talent show. And Tommy gets up and does like a speech about Halloween and the legacy of Michael Myers. And at this point they have no idea that Michael has returned. Like, like they're right. basically, you know, they're telling the story as if they have no idea that Michael has escaped and he's gone on this killing spree again, which is fine. I, again, I really like yeah, that. I thought that was good. Tommy Doyle, Anthony Michael Hall gives a speech at the beginning, kind of this really somber speech about the legacy of Michael Myers, the legacy of Haddonfield. Loved that. I absolutely loved that monologue. That was so great and so chilling and so telling about the trauma that all these people shared together. Because as I said, it, it really does extend beyond Laurie Strode that I loved. Some of the other monologues <laughs> felt a little felt a little long-winded and, and kind of <laughs> unnecessary, and it almost felt like they were over-explaining things. Like they're over, uh-huh. they're yeah. trying to over-explain things. Now, kind of coming back to that though, then at the ending, and the, and the ending is the one thing I want to touch on real quick. Yeah. So after the whole mob thing, after they you know they do the whole mob thing, and Laurie is basically talking through it, which is another monologue as like the over the the the, the voiceover. Uh, after that all happens, when she basically says, Michael cannot be killed, he's unkillable, he's not going to die, and then Michael rises up, kills everybody, kills Tommy, kills everybody that tried to stop him, and then the ending is, Karen has gone back to the Myers house, and she's looking at that same window where he killed his sister back in the 60s, she's staring out the window, and the ending, again, we're in complete spoiler territory here, is Michael shows up and kills Karen, he kills Lori's daughter. Mm -hmm. That ending... I loved 
that ending I adored. The idea mm-hmm. that it was all about Michael getting back to his house and Karen has kind of taken the place of his sister from 1963 and he kills her. And that I loved. And that was such a really, like that kind of saved, I won't say saved the movie because I liked the movie. That, that, that fixed what I hated about it before that, that they just kind of made him this unkillable you know, machine and there was no real purpose to his killing outside of he was trying to get home again, which was okay, I guess, but just kind of weird. Like, it's just kind of a weird mythology that you're introducing that he just wants to go home again. Why? Like, I, I understand, yeah. I understand the mind. I don't understand the mind of a serial killer, but for, I understand like there's not purpose in everything they're doing. I understand that. I understand that like when you're dealing with an illness like that, you're dealing with you know, schizophrenia, whatever it is, there's not necessarily a purpose. They're not going to sit there and write on a piece of paper why they're killing. They're just killing. I understand all that. But then they try to introduce this thread that it's all about him going home again, and that's what he was doing in 1978, and that's what he's doing again here in, in 2018. The problem is, in 1978, they showed that he had been at the Myers house and left again. So it's not like he was just going there and hanging out, and like, hey, let's see what my sister was doing here. He went there and left. They, that's what they, they introduced that thread. Loomis goes there since he's been here once. He's going to come back. And so that's why Loomis is scouting out the Myers house, waiting for Michael to return. Now, again, that's fine, but they already showed him that he went there. So why did he go there and leave? You know what I mean? Like, why did he go there yeah. and leave and then start killing again? So that whole thread just kind of confused me. But that being said, when they had him kill Lori's daughter, at least in that way, I was like, okay, now we have a purpose for the trilogy. Now, as I said, the way they've switched things, Michael is no longer hunting Lori. Lori is going to be hunting Michael because she he yeah. took something away from her. He took her daughter away from her. And so now Lori is going to be the unstoppable killing machine who is going to go after Michael Myers because of what he did to her. That part I like. That part I enjoyed. And that part was, to me, the best way to end the film. And that kind of save things from the weird other monologues and mythology that they introduce where Michael just wants to go home. This isn't home alone, folks. He's not just trying to go home. <laughs> like that was just such a weird thread to introduce. It is a weird thread. It's like reverse home alone. It's like he's not at his home, so he's going to set all these killer booby traps to get back to his home. I don't know. It, that was weird. But, you know, the ending uh, with uh, Michael Myers killing Karen and uh, and and it gives us a very clean end to a uh, clean end to a uh, third movie. So now we, we have all the motivation we need for Laurie Strode to come after him and, and kill him for good. How she's going to do that. I don't know because, and I don't even know how she knows that he can't be killed. Like, I don't even know. It doesn't even make sense how she knows that. So it's good. That film is going to be like, how do we stop him? Uh, and as far as I can tell, that film will not take place moments after this film. Uh, um, you know, Laurie Strode's in pieces. Her granddaughter has a broken leg. So they're going to have to heal up and be ready. So what is Michael going to be doing during that break in time? I don't know. I don't understand how it's going to work. I really don't. I'm curious to see what they do, and I'll be there opening night, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, overall, there's a lot to enjoy in this movie. There's a lot to enjoy in this movie. There's just... it where I thought it was going to clean up some of the tiny bits of mud that were in the water in 2018. It actually just dumped a whole bucket of sewage into, (laughs) into the water because I'm like, well, now I don't know what is happening anywhere. It's, it's, it's actually more confusing now than it was last time. But Damon, like we said, plenty of great things in this movie, tons and tons and tons. And I'd love you to touch on 
the massive amount of fan service that goes on in this film. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, I I was in the I was in the theater opening night. You know, as we already mentioned, they have a scene where Loomis returns. In 1978, if I would not have been that annoying theater goer, I would have stood up and <laughs> cheered. I mean, I was freaking out so hardcore. It was crazy. At that moment. Uh, that was awesome. You know, that was so cool to reintroduce that and reintroduce the all the characters. Like I said, that scene at the, at the bar at the beginning when Tommy Doyle gives that speech and you're reintroduced to Lindsay and, and all that, that was, oh my God, it was so cool. It was, again, the first 45 minutes... If that would have just, I mean, I, I know you can't do a 45 minute movie and that'd be it, but like that 45 minutes, some of my favorite filmmaking of the year, and I'm not kidding when I say that, I'm not talking about just about horror films, but in general, the first 45 minutes of this movie are amazing. My problems come after that, but the first 45 minutes are great. And then of course there's also fan service to the third movie, which anyone that's listened to this show for any period of time knows I am the, I am the hardest stand ever for Halloween three season of the witch. I love that freaking movie. I adore it. I, 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 I have the masks. I have them hanging out behind me right now. I have the masks hanging out. I love Halloween three. I love Tom Atkins. I love everything about that movie as crazy as it was. And they pay homage to that by actually reintroducing the masks. They actually have all three masks from the kids from the, uh, you know, from the, uh, uh, from the silver shamrock masks. They all have that in the movie. A little bit of fan service there. There's all kinds of fan service in this movie. And I love that. And I love that they, did that because um that's part of what keeps people coming back for these movies is the fan service yeah and um the kills are tremendous in this movie actually i mean halloween kills lives up to the name you are going to get kills beyond kills it turns out uh there's 28 the body counts 28 that sounds very high and we all know that uh you know jason has been the king of the body count for quite some time I have to wonder if with this film, Michael Myers takes over because he killed he kills like half the town in like one night. It's insane. Um, did you notice, too, on the fan service tip to me, something about the uh, because uh, it, also in the early part of this film, they sort of continue the night on. Well, I mean, it is a continuation of the same night. No, nothing actually ends. But, uh, you know, when Michael Myers finally gets out of the burning house and he makes his way back to uh, his house before anyone can actually find him and pinpoint him and the mobs after him. He still does a little bit of killing. To me, there was some weird like Rob Zombie fan service in those early kills. Don't you don't you didn't you get the vibe? Like yeah, there I was some really brutal like to me, I was like, wow, this almost like this is like kind of paying a little homage to the Rob Zombie films without without explicitly doing so because those are completely different films with a completely different storyline. But like the, the, the brutality, and we'll talk about that in best kill. Like one of these kills were where he just kind of relentlessly is killing somebody. I was like, that is right out of Rob Zombie's remake. Yeah. In, no, in they my did. opinion. Well, they really, like I said, I think that's where they really upped the intensity. Of this movie is the kills themselves are so, I mean, they're so brutal. And I got to be honest, in a way, better. I mean, they're better than than some yes. of, even what we saw in, in twenty. And I like I, again, listen to the episode. We really liked the twenty eighteen movie. The kills were better in this movie. The kills were yes. better in this movie. Uh, so if you're that kind of person, if you like the kills, you like the gore. This one is going to be right up your alley because it is all over that. I mean, that like the creativity of that. Uh, and, and again, nothing is to the point of being unrealistic. Like, and what I mean by that is, is like sometimes when they try, like when you get to like, you know, when you get to like Jason takes Manhattan, uh, the kills are so they're trying to up the kill so much that they just become like, they've gone from like 
cool and creative to the verge of just utterly ridiculous. Uh, This film does not cross that line. They're crazy and cool, but they're not utterly ridiculous outside of Michael surviving a knife in the back of his freaking spine. Uh, Maybe that one. But other than that, like the the reality is most of the kills, like you're like, oh, wow, like that's cool. Like it's a cool way to do it without making it so unrealistic. You're like, oh my God, that could never happen. You know, like that's where you cross the line where you're like, oh Jesus, like, come on. Like this is just cheesy at this point. They don't really cross that line with the kills, which I enjoy. They don't. Yeah, no, it's the kills are, are brutal They're They still they still have that essence from 2018 where I was terrified of being in the same room with Michael Myers. Like I'd be like, yeah, this is going to be a problem for me. Um, it was very, very much that and tons and tons and tons of crafty filmmaking all over this. You had that scene with the jumper. You know, there's there's this whole kind of subplot with the mob uh, where they get thrown into chaos and they believe that they're chasing Michael Myers down. They're just chasing down one of the other people that escaped from that bus in 2018, uh, unbeknownst to them. And they, and at some point he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's out of his mind a little bit. He's being chased down by these people and he jump he jumps off this building to escape them. That shot, that POV of him about to hit the ground is such a cool shot. Like I, I, I have it on Peacock. I'm going to have to turn it on and watch it again. Because the filmmaking is still super crafty. David Gordon Green is still an incredible director. Like, he really has some true ability. Uh, and I, I know he's got a few more horror films lined up. I know he's, or at least the TV show, The Exorcist, right? Yeah, he's doing, no, he's doing the movies. He's doing the, the sequel. It's a movie? Oh, I thought it was yeah. a TV show. No, it's okay. going yeah, to be basically a sequel to the original Exorcist. It's kind of like what he's doing for Halloween. Right. And then is he doing Firestarter or is he just producing that? I think he's just producing that one. Okay. Yeah. But either way, David Gordon Green's a fantastic director and there's nothing about this film that is poorly directed. This film is excellently, expertly directed and it's, it's, it is a complete tonal shift from the 2018 movie. So that took some getting used to, but at the end of the day, it was still an incredibly enjoyable film. I was in the, I was in a late night, Friday night showing, so plenty of people reacting, lots of great kills and people reacting to those kills, myself included. A lot of me going, oh, shit, <laughs> <laughs> like our character from uh, 2018, the little kid. From the, <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was very much um, having fun with the with with the kills in this movie. Yeah, no, that was great. And, and real quick, before we get into categories, let me just say the mob mentality, which was a big central theme of this movie of basically this entire town rising up and going after Michael Myers and, and kind of you know reaching their breaking point. I actually really enjoyed that part of it because that does feel like real life. I mean, that 100% feels like real life and very present of what we're dealing with today. There's a, such a mob mentality of, of people in general. Like, you know what I mean? It's it, like I said, it's just like, like when one person finds something wrong and then everybody just jumps on that. And that's very much kind of what happens here with the mob mentality. So when they feel like they see Michael Myers and really it's just another, you know, escapee from that bus, that bus crash, they don't care. It's just blind rage at that point. You know what I mean? They're just mm-hmm. going after what they think is, is what they're going after. And that element I really enjoy because that 100% is what happens now. Like I said, it does, in, in, in so many ways in life, not to get too philosophical here, in so many ways in life now because of social media and things like that, we don't really care about the facts. We just all want to jump on whenever somebody's like, you know, right. whenever somebody is, whenever somebody has done something 
bad or, or something happens to somebody, we all kind of jump on that, good or bad. I mean, listen, I'm guilty of it in sense of like, I'm not going to mention the occasion. There was something that happened a couple years ago where somebody said something happened to them, and I immediately was like, oh, my God, this is a tragedy. I can't believe this happened. Then we come, come to find out it didn't actually happen that way, and it right. was all, you know, kind of made-up story. I'm like, geez. And I kind of wish, like, maybe I had waited for more facts to come out before I was like, oh, man, what mm-hmm. a tragedy. What happened? We're all guilty of that. And so that mob mentality plays out in in really strong form in this movie and i really enjoyed that uh again other elements i didn't like uh like the chanting evil dies tonight which was just utterly cheesy uh, <laughs> so cheesy it's so cheesy uh but yeah like i said outside of that again the mob mentality so like that being said patrick we got to get into categories because uh, we got a lot, we got a lot of categories to get through. We've already talked about this movie for like forty five minutes, uh, and we, t- <laughs> we and we had a lot to talk about. Um, so let's kick things off with our best performance from this movie from Halloween Kills. So Patrick, what was your best performance from Halloween Kills? Uh, despite the fact that there's a lot more performances to choose from, I decided to do a repeat for my 2018 pick, which is Will Patton as Officer Hawkins. I chose him in 2018. I thought he did a great job. Um, he does a great job in this film and I gave him, I I elevated him to best performance in this one. Uh, I think he was my favorite character in the last one. Um, like I said, it really kind of turns into his story because, because of that, um, that little extra scene you get from 1978, you learn that that he had Michael Myers in his sights and he blew it. And, uh, and again, Will Patton's a fantastic actor. So you feel the weight of his regret and that that he was that he was, you know, too uh, scared in that moment and did the wrong thing and probably cost, uh, you know, now at this point, uh, uh, 30 plus people's lives over the course of uh, 40 years. So I, I had to give it to Will Patton again because he is a fantastic actor and, uh, you know, he pulls it off. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. I'm a big fan of Will Patton in general. I really do like yeah. his acting in general. I think he did a great job. Um, for me, best performance, you know, I was kind of going back and forth on this one, uh, you know, because it was between favorite character and best performance. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. So I'm going with best performance. I'm going to give it to our boy, our guy, Jim Cummings. I, I love him. He's such a fun actor. I know he's a great director and a phenomenal writer. Can't wait for the beta test to come out. Loved Wolf of Snow Hollow. Loved Thunder Road. But I just loved because he he fits so well into that 1978 scene. Like when he came in, he's so over Officer Pete McCabe, and he kind of he actually introduces a little bit of the mythology about you know about about Michael Myers going home again, and he plays so well interacting with the young Will Hawkins, and 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 you kind of see he's kind of you know one of the officers in charge. And I, re- I just thought he did a great job. He's a great addition to the mythology of the Halloween universe. So I know I'm a bit biased here because I'm the biggest Jim Cummings fan in the world, but I just loved what he did with that part, and, and he made it his own, and it was fun, but it was also fit well into a horror movie. Like, he did a really good yeah. job. Yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't d- detract from the movie or distract from it. Um, it. It was just the right balance, and that's a credit to Jim as an actor. Again, not a... Not a trained actor, just a naturally great actor. Um, and of course, the last two movies you've seen him in, Wolf of Snow Hollow, Thunder Road, he played a cop. So he's really, he's just at this point very dialed in terms of being able to play a cop. So he does, he makes, he has a lot of, uh, uh, he adds a lot to this to this movie in a very fun and engaging way. Um, and then do you, I mentioned distraction. I just wanted to mention one little fun fact here. 
they considered Paul Rudd for the role of Tommy Doyle because I believe he played Tommy Doyle, right? He did in the uh, in the final in the in the in part six, The Curse of Michael Myers. He played Tommy Doyle, right? And they considered bringing him back, but they consider they thought it's probably going to be too big of a distraction to have him play <laughs> Tommy Doyle. So Jim Cummings. A distraction for guys like Damien and myself, who I almost geeked out completely uh, when I saw him uh, playing a cop. Uh, instead, they chose Anthony Michael Hall to play Dommy, Tommy Dolan. I thought it was a great pick. Yeah, no, they did a great job of that. All right, uh, let's start with my favorite character. Uh, again, you mentioned, uh, while some people have complained that Laurie Strode kind of taking a back seat in this movie is a problem, personally, I actually enjoyed that they brought back so many great characters, and you yeah. kind of see that. So there were a lot more characters in this one. So, Patrick, who is your favorite character in Halloween Kills? My favorite character is Big John, part of Big John and Little John, um, a couple that live in uh, in the Myers home, the now re- renovated and and very hip Myers home they live in. Big John was just his character. He was, he just had a lot of attitude. Uh, you know, he wasn't taking the kids shit when they were trying to pull Halloween pranks at his house. Uh, you know, and he tries to stand up to Michael Myers at some point. So he was just one of these guys. He he added a lot of um, of that extra spice that you're looking for. That kind of uh, the the moments of uh, brevity that you that you're looking for in a in, in a heavy movie. He kind of he he was great for that stuff. Yeah, he was good. I liked. I actually really enjoyed the characters of Big Big John and Little John. Yeah. they were fun. They were they were they they basically lived together, you know, as a couple in the old Myers house. Which, by the way, the decor in the new Myers house was awesome. I loved what they did with that house. It looked awesome. Yeah. Like, I was like, I want to live here. Uh, yeah, it looked nice. Yeah, it looked cool. But yeah, I, I really like that addition of those characters. Uh, for me, my favorite character in this movie, and and it was a it was a real carryover from the first film was. Allison, the, 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 the granddaughter, I thought uh-huh. they basically gave Allison the role that I think a lot of people wanted Jamie Lee Curtis to have. They wanted her to go hunting for Michael yeah. Myers. And again, she had been, I mean, she had taken the brunt of Michael's damage in the, in the last film. So to say that she would have been good enough to go back out on the hunt without getting some sort of medical attention. is like a 60 year old woman is ridiculous. Uh, I like that. They kept it more real that yeah. she was, you know, she was in the hospital. Like that's it. And Allison becomes kind of the main antagonist to go after Michael as like the representative, so to speak of the Strode family. And she's so strong in this movie, man. She, she is the one who kind of gets that, you know, that, that, that alpha mentality of like, I'm going to go after this MF and I'm going to get him for my grandma. I'm get him from my mom and so she's like carrying around a shotgun and her dad. <laughs> yeah and her dad who got killed so i love that i love that like she kind of became the badass and like she went after him and then there's a great sequence at the end where they go you know they go back to the house and they finally track down michael at the house at the myers house and you know she ends up getting into a fight with michael and she basically gets dropped down the stairs her leg snaps which is gross and and very like another cool gore scene uh and she's just like defiant i lo- there was no fear she's just like do it do it kill me and i'm like yeah like get her uh, i love that i love that 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 whole like she was not going to back down from michael myers she was more like f this guy i'm not going to be afraid of him and i loved that and so i loved that character in this movie yeah, it, it, that was another grounded approach to solving the problem from the last movie. It's like, well, who are you going to have go after it? You could have you could have done Judy Greer, but I liked that it was her character instead. I liked that it was Allison, and uh, and I yeah, she she did a great job. What I didn't like was that she paired up with her crappy boyfriend Cameron, who she had just dumped at the high school dance because he he was cheating on her and threw her cell phone in the punch bowl. 
she she teams back up with him and his dad. Now, the motivation behind it makes total sense. And they're like, let's drop our petty bullshit for a second and go get him. But I, at the same time, I didn't like her. <laughs> I didn't like her being alongside Cameron and, and his dad. To, to, to credit, though, I will say Cameron was my least favorite character and the guy who I wanted to die. He actually dies in this one. Uh, I thought he redeemed himself a little bit. Like, he's still a, a douche. Bit, yeah. But I thought, like, uh, he, you know, he, he saves. off jerk mode all, all like, completely. Yeah, like, he, he saves Officer Hawkins. Like, he shows up and helps save him. Like, when he's dying yeah. there after he gets stabbed in the neck. You know, he, he goes and he tries to find Allison and tries to make things right with her. Like, again, not total redemption, but, like, from the character who I was rooting to die for in the first one, I was kind of <laughs> like, you know what? And, and again, he kind of manned up. He like, you know, he's like, I'm not, you yeah. know, I'm going to man up and, and, and do my thing. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You know what? And it makes sense when you think about it. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I was being a really shitty teenager, but an emergency is happening. Like I'm dropping everything and doing my best to help people out. I was like, okay, I actually completely buy into it. It wasn't a crazy uh, turn of turn of character. Yeah, I agree. All right. What about most hated character in this movie? What was, what was number one for you? I really couldn't stand Lee Brackett. Now Lee Brackett, we didn't like in the original to begin with. Um, but I also hated him in this movie too. And he was part of the whole uh, evil dies tonight crowd. And I just, I was just, every time I saw his face, I was like, somebody just kill Lee Brackett for me, please. I'm tired of seeing this guy. Yeah. You know, I, like in a way I'm glad they brought him back because of course it kind of, you know, brings everything full right. circle. And now he's like working at the Haddonfield uh, hospital, which is kind of cool, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I like that element of it, but like they did, they didn't improve upon the character in any way, shape no. or form, which I guess in a way is consistent because I didn't like him in the first film. So I guess in a way they've kind of carried that forward into the new one as well. Yeah, no, they did. And did you notice the little flashback they give is actually from Halloween too? They give a little a Lee Brackett flashback. They do. So yeah. even though they are they erased Halloween two from the canon, they still show it in this movie, which is wild. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, my most hated character. I struggle with this one. I got to be honest. I struggle with this one because in a way, I actually really like this character at the start. I mentioned how the first forty five minutes are amazing. But by the end, I grew to dislike the character. And so my most hated character is Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Uh, they, cause he's at the beginning, he's a, he's a kid who was traumatized by Michael Myers. He's never let it go. And then when he finds out that Michael is still alive, he's the guy who's kind of leading the charge to go after him. Now all that I can get. And I kind of enjoyed that, but then he kind of becomes the blind rage guy. Like the guy who's mm -hmm. just angry for the sake of being angry. And he's not, you know, there's no more, there's no more, you know, thought process with him in terms of what he's going after. He's just blindly going after whatever's in front of him. And that kind of leads to that one patient jumping off the hospital because Tommy's just like, let's get him. And right. like, and so that kind of one note approach to just blind rage, which feels very much like 2021. Right. Uh, it bugged me. So, while I liked him at the beginning, what he became by the end, I didn't like. And it's not that uh, Anthony Michael Hall did a fantastic job, by the way. He was a great actor. Great. Yeah. I mean, he did it well. Uh, but I just didn't like the way they took that character down that road. Uh, and maybe there might be a little bit of bias here because in the original canon of Halloween, as we mentioned, Tommy Doyle comes back in the sixth film. It's Paul Rudd. He's kind of playing into the supernatural element of Michael Myers. And then if you've ever read, there was a Halloween comic book that came out years ago. And Tommy Doyle was kind of the main protagonist in that comic book, a guy who's now hunting Michael Myers. They kind of took it away from Laurie Strode and made 
Tommy Doyle, kind of like his his main rival, as he was coming after he's always on the hunt for Michael Myers. And so I always enjoyed that element. Not that I did. I love Laurie Strode. It wasn't that. I just liked that they had like another character from the past kind of like in there. And so in that way, I loved it. But then by the end, I kind of disliked it. So I kind of by the end, I did not like that character. Yeah, he almost made my most hated character for the exact same reason. What what's weird is that on on the on the logical front, it didn't not make sense. Like no. I got it. Like like he's super traumatized from his past and his killer is in his sights. So all of a sudden the blinders are on, right? And he's just he's he's out for blind revenge. But that's what that's why you end up hating the character because he realizes too late that he has whipped the town into a frenzy that cannot be turned off and somebody who is completely innocent dies because of it. So you do hate his character for a very natural reason. If anybody doesn't understand most hated character for us never has anything to do with the actor's performance. It has to do with the, 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 the character arc of a certain character. And I thought it was properly portrayed, but you kind of end up hating his guts by the end. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the point. And uh, yeah, not a bad performance. I actually thought Anthony Michael Hall did a great job. I just, yeah. they, they, and again, it all makes sense. It makes sense why Tommy Doyle does what he does. I just didn't like it, <laughs> you know? And, I mean, I guess, right, and, right, and, exactly. I, and, I, and I think in a way you're not supposed to like it. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. You know? They're not, they're, they're not yeah. trying to make him a likable character. No, perfectly logical, but yeah, it makes you, it makes you kind of hate him. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about best kill. Uh, there were a lot of freaking kills in this movie, uh, and a lot of great kills by the way. Uh, so what was your favorite kill in Halloween kills? Um, like I said earlier, there's a bit of an homage in my opinion to the Rob zombie movies early on in the film after Michael escapes the fire, kills a bunch of firemen, like, uh, which is a pretty impressive scene all in and of itself. Uh, he, go- he gets to this, um, couple's home and he kills them brutally. I mean, in a rather brutal and grounded way. Uh, but he kills Phil like 17 times. <laughs> like he, he bursts through the window, Jason style. And like, you know, drags Phil across a bunch of jagged glass and then pulls him out of the house, then like stabs him a bunch more times, then kills the wife with a fluorescent tube. And then Phil is like kind of slumped over the, the the kitchen counter. And Michael just takes every steak knife and and throw and lays it into Phil, like and just stabs Phil with every knife he can find. So uh, to me, that was the best kill because he just killed him over and over and over again. That was probably the most creative one. Like, I really yeah. enjoyed it. He just like, he kept looking back at the knives like, oh, I got one more. All yeah. right, one more. Oh, yeah. one more. And he just keeps stabbing the dude. And I'm just like, damn, like they killed him real good. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a great one. That was a great kill. Uh, for me, I'm kind of cheating here a little bit because I'm saying favorite kill, but I'm just saying favorite sequence of kills because they're also rapid fire. My yeah. favorite kill, okay, of the kills, my favorite kill is when he attacks the people in the SUV who are on the hunt for him, which includes mm-hmm. Marion the nurse and Lindsay Wallace. And he ends up killing two of the characters from the original from nineteen from the twenty eighteen version, Vanessa and Marcus, who are dressing up to go out for a Halloween party. They're briefly in the first one. They actually come back as central characters a little bit in the in yeah. the sequel. And I think Marcus getting stabbed through the chin up through the eye was my favorite kill. But that yeah. whole sequence of kills was great, from him attacking the SUV, going after Marion, killing her. 
Vanessa, which what happens to her with the gunshot is, <laughs> is, so, well. is so brutal. But then I think I think the, the the Marcus kill is the best. And then again, that whole sequence is great. You know, Lindsay, you know, doing the uh, if you've ever seen the the 1982, I believe, classic uh, Michael or excuse me, uh, um, uh, Sean Penn movie, Bad Boys, uh, where he's a uh, he's a kid stuck in like a juvenile prison, and he's about to get attacked by these two guys, and he fills up a pillowcase with with soda cans. Yes. And uses that as a weapon. Do you remember that movie? Have you seen that movie? No, no, okay. but I know what you're referencing okay. in this movie. Yeah. Classic. Okay. Go watch Bad Boys, Patrick. Good lord, what are you doing, Patrick? You got to watch <laughs> Bad Boys. It's a great movie. Uh, the original one, before, long before the the uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence one. This is the original Bad Boys. All uh, right. Also stars S.I.E. Morales in that movie. Oh, um, okay. Great movie, but there's a scene like that. And so in this film, it's Lindsay. She fills up a uh, a pillowcase with bricks and goes after Michael. And I enjoyed that. I was like, damn, like way to way to renovate yeah. a weapon. Uh, but anyways, that sequence, Marcus was my favorite kill, but that whole sequence was just great. Yeah, and that sequence gives us our little nod. The aftermath of that sequence gives us the little nod to Seasons of the Witch. Exactly, exactly. All right, uh, yeah. let's talk about the worst way to go because uh, there are a lot of brutal <laughs> way, brutal, brutal kills in this movie. Uh, what, what, what is the worst way to go of anybody in this film? The worst way to go was just is right off the heels of your sequence. Uh, Vanessa has a gun. By the way, this town is populated with the worst shots of all time. No one in this town knows how to shoot a gun. No one gets anywhere close to shooting Michael Myers. So Vanessa's got a gun. They kind of got him cornered in this park. Not cornered necessarily, but they they at least got him uh, focused in this one area. Uh, Vanessa's got a, a gun. I think it was a revolver. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, she shoots a million shots at him, misses all of them. And then as he attacks her, it knocks the gun back and she shoots herself in the head and kills herself. On a night where Michael Myers is laying waste to the town, you're the one person to go by accidentally killing yourself. <laughs> like, to me, I was like, that's the worst way to go. That's the most humiliating way to go. Yeah, that is pretty bad. And you know what? I also, I'll say this. I like the reality of that because when we always watch... And I, listen, I love it. I love. I've been, I've watched The Walking Dead for years. I watched you know Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, all the zombie movies. Every zombie movie, people in those movies with guns are always snipers. They're all snipers. They right. can never miss a headshot. Now, no. reality is, if you've ever shot a gun, and I've shot rifles, I've shot handguns, I've shot guns, I've gone hunting. When you're shooting, it's not easy is what I'm getting at to hit on a target. It's not easy at all. And so the idea that you're going to grab a gun for the first time in your life, which we kind of assume that like these, a lot of these people are not used to shooting guns, uh, that you're just going to be on target with what you're shooting. The fact that they're so far off their mark is actually reality because that's most people who have never shot a gun before or have not actually gone target shooting or whatever, done target practice, whatever. Uh, so her missing Michael from like five feet away, in a way, kind of makes sense because you probably would miss. You're probably so bad at it. You probably would miss your shot. And then her shooting herself was kind of like the the you know, the the comeuppance, so to speak, of not being able to handle a gun. Uh, the worst way to go for me and it, it, they kind of spoiled it in the trailer, so it kind of bums me out. But then, of course, you see the, the the real aftermath is at the beginning when Michael comes out and he's killing all the firefighters uh, with the uh, with the weapon, the the what do they call that the uh, the Hannigan tool, the the Hannison tool. I can't what they call that thing. Oh, it's uh, like the big blade, right? Yeah, the big blade with like the the other end that like pulls the prize apart the boards. There's actually there's actually a name for that tool. Uh, yeah. But he uses that to kill a bunch of. Them. But then the one guy revs up his saw that they use 
used to like you know saw through pieces of a house to like you know to to cut it apart to get to rescue people or whatever uh he gets that put back in his face and he just gets his face and head sawed off by the giant <laughs> machine i'm thinking you know what because he he revs it up to use it as a weapon i'm like all right good you know good on you use your use yeah. your tools and then uh, michael turns it against him and saws his face off and i was like god that sucks like you know like you're the guy with the axe like if i was in that moment i would just run i'd be like all right i'm out like I, i'm done yeah, I, fuck this shit yeah i grabbed the fire truck and just get the fuck out uh but yeah like that dude i'm like man that sucks man you had the coolest weapon and then he just turned it against you <laughs> yeah no i mean just there's a lot of bad ways to go i thought like uh another uh like honorable mention the way cameron goes is pretty rough yeah like he just like michael's like trying to decapitate him on like a staircase and it's not really working so it's just he just keeps getting smashed against the staircase until his head pretty much becomes you know his spine becomes pudding at that point yeah that's pretty brutal and also then he snaps his neck let's not forget that yeah. and he's, he's like you know what this this head isn't coming off i'll just snap the neck <laughs> yeah i'll just snap him in half uh <laughs> to that point there is a lot of gore in this movie man they really upped that Lenny. intensity of that so what was your what was your best gore in this movie uh, man, there was so much to choose from, but I ultimately went with the aftermath of the jumper, right? So the mob chases the wrong uh, guy into this thing, and, he, and he's from the, the mental institution, so he's he's scared and disoriented, so he decides to jump to escape. And, of course, to his demise, he he, he splats all over the floor. And they, they, they turn the camera around and show you the aftermath, and it is just the back the, – basically the whole back of his head completely explodes all over the – uh, the street and it's and it's rather gory it is rather gruesome it is very yeah. gruesome and good it was a good good scene good scene oh great scene i mean yeah that again that shot of him jumping off there's the final pov of him about to hit the ground and you're like damn that was super effective yeah very effective uh my best gore was actually uh the death of your boys big john uh, when he gets yeah. his, cause Michael grabs him, picks him up in the air and jams his thumbs through his eye sockets. And yeah. it's just, I mean, it's just brutal. And I know we've seen that kill in other horror films and other movies where somebody gets a, you know, a thumb through their eye and it's always gruesome, but there's just something Game about of that. Thrones, man. Yeah. Very much so. And very much like the mountain did to poor, uh, you know, to, much to like the Viper, the, right? Yeah. Did to the, did to the Viper. Uh, he, uh, Oberyn Martell, the same way he did that, uh, after he, after he squashes his eye eyeballs out of his head he stomps on his head and brain matter goes flying so big john did not make it very far in this one uh and so that i really enjoyed when he actually kills big john. like there's kind of a two scene big john kill when he when he when he when he pops the eyes out of his head and then he actually steps down and breaks his skull uh a little bit later i like both of those i thought that was the great gore and again very visceral like you can feel it like when when he starts shoving his thumbs into his eyes i'm like oh god oh yeah that's a brutal scene yeah <laughs> very, very lots brutal. of brutality in this in this movie yeah no they're not they're not saving the brutality um before we get to our last category which is is it scary which we always like to close out with that uh we know this is part two of a three-part trilogy the next film Halloween ends will begin production in January and that will be the third and final film in this series from David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, of course, also Jamie Lee Curtis and the rest of the cast. Um, what Patrick, what do you need to see out of this trilogy out of this third film to feel satisfied about this new Halloween trilogy? Well, you know, this, this new Halloween trilogy sort of reminds me of the new star Wars trilogy. It's old characters and new ones together on the same mission. Uh, so uh, with that in mind, I would say I would like to, uh, in in this final film, see um, that it's not Michael Myers who is the true threat. It's Emperor Palpatine. Uh, 
Um, that's my hope. That we get. No, in all seriousness, um, what I'm what I'm hoping to get is a is a very grounded return in this trilogy. Um, I don't know how we're going to do that because we have it's clearly like as we talked about earlier, we've established that Michael Myers cannot be killed. So what on earth are they going to do to make this make sense? The most <laughs> the, the thing I'm really looking forward to, because it's I think they're setting up a pretty obvious showdown, which will be Laurie Strode and her granddaughter versus Michael Myers. It seems like that's going to be the very clear showdown. I just want I want there to be some clarity at the end, because this, as we said earlier, this trilogy is getting muddier and muddier. I'd rather it come back around and in the end, everything start to make sense again. Um, that's my big that's my big ask for the third film. Yeah, so my biggest ask is kind of an extension of that, which is clean up the mythology. You know, clean up the yes. mythology because it's kind of been messy. Did Michael really go after Lori, or was he pointed at Lori? Was you know was was he ever trying to go after Lori? We've kind of established he wasn't, but now we've established he was just trying to go home again. Okay, well if he's just trying to go home again. He's there at the end of the movie. He kills Karen yeah. in the house. Did they capture him again? Is he going to escape again? Uh, you know what's going on you know, now that he's there. Like what's the, is there a purpose to the to the to can, the one? Can Jim Cummings play another cop? Yeah, is, <laughs> yeah, is there is there a purpose for him going home? Like is there a reason? he keeps going home like is it just his obsession with that like i again clean up the mythology that's what i asked now the other part of it and i mentioned it earlier i feel like the point of this third film is going to be switching the roles a little bit where laurie is going after michael versus where michael is supposedly going after her i enjoy that and that setup is great because now she's got a purpose to go after michael because he killed his because he killed her daughter that all makes sense and that kind of juxtapose of the characters i really enjoy but just clean up the mythology you know what i mean clean up the mm -hmm. mythology is it supernatural is it not supernatural is it is it just he's just this blind you know this mindless killing machine and he keeps going home again well, why is he going home again i just want a little bit of the mythology to be cleaned up that's my biggest thing the actual storyline which we kind of all understand what's going to be happening here i'm for i'm all for it i'm actually really excited to see like laurie in full-on vengeance mode uh i'm cool for that i'm 100 on board for that because in the first one, in the first Halloween, she's preparing for him to come for her. She's right. she's geared up. I mean, she's like a survivalist. She's geared up. She's a doomsday prepper. She's got guns and traps, but she's preparing for him to come for her. Now, in the third film, I think we're going to see her go for him, come for him. She's going to be yeah. gunning for him. And that's a different mentality. That's a different kind of aspect. And I enjoy that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But you got to clean up the mythology a little bit because there's been a lot of muddied waters with these two films in terms of what the purpose is. And I, they need to clean that up a little bit. And also, like I said, the supernatural. Is, it, is he supernatural? Is he not? Like We're still not quite clear on that. I mean, you couldn't be more clear than we. I severed his spinal cord at the base of his neck, and now he turned around and he's totally fine and kills uh, thirteen people who have him surrounded. Yeah, I, I think we've established he's supernatural. How are we going to clean that up? Yeah, I don't know. I thought the Doctor Sartain thing was messy. This is very messy. Yeah, like how is he supernatural? What makes him supernatural? Like what is it? You oh know what well, I mean? you know what? Look at this. It's hot off the presses. The the plot for 
Halloween ends is Michael Myers is actually the blob and he will <laughs> consume the entire town. That's going to be interesting. Damn. I'm into, I'm into that. That's crazy. That's crazy. I can't believe they leaked that out there already. Jeez, I know. Man. That's, a, that's a crazy leak. Oh, man. The blob. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which, by the way, the 80s blob movie with Kevin Dillon uh, from Entourage, underrated movie, by the way. Underrated. We desperately need to talk about that movie on yeah, this show. Desperately. Really, really fun. All right. Last category is always, Patrick. Halloween kills at the end of the day. Is it scary? You know, it's a very, very chaotic movie. Um, it's less scary to me than the 2018 version, but you get amazing kills. This is very much a horror movie. Like don't, don't, don't misconstrue with anything else. This is a horror slasher, uh, turned up to 11. So is it scary? No. Cause I wasn't scared. Uh, but it has all the elements that you're looking for in a great horror film. It really does. Yeah. It's not scary in the traditional sense of like, I was sitting there kind of, you know, covering my eyes or or you know jumping out of my seat for some of the jump scares but it's scary in the sense of brutality i mean it is a brutal movie in that way it is i mean and and again some people define their love of a horror film by the great gore or but they get the brutality of a movie i mean that's a big part of the texas chainsaw massacre how brutal that movie is you know what i mean like part part of what you know even though there's not a lot of gore in that movie it's just a brutal movie uh that is kind of like this like very scary in that sense it's not scary in the sense that you're going to be like it's like okay i I think i figured it it makes your skin crawl like that's what it does it makes your skin crawl because you're like oh my god like it's so gory and so brutal that's what it does but not in the sense of like oh man i gotta cover my eyes like not 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 that kind of scary i was definitely more scared of michael myers in the 2018 version like there was something about that that was truly terrifying like where i was like hmm like i really don't want to run into that guy this is more of an amusement park ride um to steal a parlance from the great martin scorsese uh but in a great way like i have fun going on amusement park rides and this is very much one of those and uh like i said you get all the elements that you're looking for in a great horror film yeah absolutely absolutely all right folks that is our show for this week we wanted to uh, get on quick and review halloween kills and again hopefully you enjoy the movie if you haven't seen it at this point we've already spoiled everything for you uh but it is available it's in theaters right now it is also available on peacock i will admit uh while i fully support i'm all you know all four people watching it however you want to watch it this is one of those movies where i would say if you have the means and you feel safe doing it go see it in the theater it's a whole other experience when you see it in a movie theater i'm just yeah. a movie theater guy uh there's some movies i don't think it really matters if you see it in the theater this one is one where i would say go see it in the theater and if you can go see it with a crowd of people because it's fun to be around other people being scared uh i enjoy that element very much and so in that I regard it, uh, oh sorry no i was say in that regard i would recommend highly recommend going to see it in the theater I saw it in uh, I saw it in Dolby, uh, the Dolby theater where the the, the seats vibrate. It's yeah. a whole different experience. Like yeah, that. like you won't get that at home. And it looks great. It sounds great, and it feels <laughs> it feels pretty scary because the the seats are like vibrate and stuff. So a lot of fun. If you feel safe going to a theater, it's definitely worth your time in the theater. Yeah, and again. For all the complaints I've made about Halloween Kills, the issues I had, I still liked it. Again, good, not great. Uh, Fun, not better than the 2018 version, but I enjoyed it, and I'm definitely looking forward to the trilogy. Absolutely. 
All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. I want to say a big thank you to everyone tuning in to Rewind of the Living Dead. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and you can always find a website. You can always find the podcast over on my website, nerdcoremovement.com. If you have questions, comments, movies you'd like us to review, please hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Damon Martin, and you are? At Director Patrick. And, and we all- got our email at uh, rotlivingdead at gmail.com, R-O-T, livingdead at gmail.com. Please hit us up there if you have questions, comments, anything you want us to talk about on the show. We will gladly respond to those emails, R-O-T, livingdead at gmail.com. Hit us up anytime. All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. want to say a big thank you, as always, for everyone tuning in. We will see you next week for another edition of Rewind of the Living Dead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Peace.